Welcome to my basement, everybody. Happy Friday. It's the weekend, and all kinds of fun stuff is uh, ahead of us. Uh, Blake and I are getting on a plane tomorrow, actually. We are taking off to... uh, France, but uh, we're going to have some fun today and recap our first week back of uh, uh, doing the rundown. And thanks to all of you that have been uh, sending us messages of support and watching the new episodes of the rundown. We've been having a ton of fun with that. Uh, And uh, there's been already lots of big announcements this week, which kind of justifies the whole return of the rundown. Lots of fun things to talk about. And I thought what we're going to start to do, and I mentioned this in um, one of my live streams, not too long ago. First of all, I just want to thank everybody for uh, joining us. I'm going to be reading comments and answering questions, and if anybody's got uh, feedback on stuff, uh, that's what this is about, is to, uh, um, you know, chat with you guys about all of the big news stuff that's happening right now. Um, but uh, uh, Blair, good to see you. NH as, NHS ad, Adim. I don't know. I don't know how you say that. NHS ADM. Good to see you too. Um, but uh, that, that's what I kind of suggested uh, we would start to do with the uh, the rundowns. I think it's going to be cool to kind of uh, just take a look at the week's uh, news and recap everything and uh, and get into it together um, because. Uh, you know, obviously, and you can see one of the the, the, uh, the people behind me here, Joss Whedon. Uh, big things have been going on in, uh, in in our culture, in our pop culture. The stuff that we love to sort of get lost in, all the fun things that are out there. And I definitely think that Batgirl is one of those fun things. So let's uh, Blade Blur. How you doing, uh, Lex Lex Marston? Good to see you. Uh, not not uh, related to James Marston by any chance, are you? One of my favorite characters. All right, well, let's get talking about uh, the rundown. Hope I sound okay. Hope I look okay. Can you just check that cable that's below your mic? Mm-hmm. Is it in there firmly? Yep. Okay, good. Yeah. Does it sound all right? Yeah, it sounds okay. Yeah, everything's good? We sound good? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, let's... Uh, and, and NHS ADM wanted me to confirm that, yes, it's just the letters. Yeah. Okay, good. You'll have to explain what those letters mean. Uh, But let's get started. I'm going to run some footage behind me. I can see what's going on on television here so we can kind of have this conversation. The big news, and it's, uh, I don't know if it's been officially confirmed, but it feels like it's pretty big. Uh, This is funny because some of this footage is from uh, Marvel. Hi, Marvel. Love you guys. Uh, But uh, Batgirl is uh, being uh, created, sounds like, as a feature film in the DCEU, um, which... uh, I was not expecting that bit of news. You know, clearly DC is taking this very seriously, moving all of their characters over to the movies. Um, but I wasn't expecting a Batgirl film to be in the pipeline. And the fact that they have um, started to work with, and it looks like this is going to happen, started to work with, uh, you know, the phenomenal talent of Joss Whedon, who has proven himself not just as a comics guy, but as a, a filmmaker that can, you know, really handle, uh, you know, a lot of cool characters and a lot of expectation. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited. The fact that this guy did the Avengers movies, um, I mean, let's take a second to remember the the unbelievable effort and the unbelievable talent it would take to make the Avengers happen on the big screen. It's just absolutely astounding that this guy did that. You know, a lot of people didn't like uh, the second Avengers movie as much, the, um, and I, I get that, but I still, I love that film. I love the uh, audacity and the visuals of it. I love seeing the vision for the first time, but it was 
the repartee. It was the, uh, you know, creating human characters out of these superheroes and the uh, the back and forth between everybody that really made it something special. And, uh, you know, obviously Barbara Gordon is a uh, beloved character in the Batman universe and the Bat family. Uh, I've always dug the Batgirl uh, myth. Um, certainly the killing joke, uh, you know, kind of changed everything around Barbara Gordon and Batgirl. There's been a, you know, a multitude of revisions and it sounds like the new 52 uh, is sort of the, the leaping off point. Um, the, the sort of modernized post killing joke uh, reinvention of Barbara Gordon. Um, but uh, I couldn't be more excited because, the, you know, Joss has a uh, he's tuned in. He, he writes comics and his comic writing is fantastic. He's a great writer. That's the deal, you know. And as much as uh, Zack Snyder can paint a really nice picture, he's not a, you know, somebody that you immediately call up as the best writer out there and certainly not in this sphere. Uh, but the other side of Joss is that he's got a, you know, a, a real uh kind of tuned in sense of how to create, you know, female characters that we care about um, that are compelling leads. You know, I, I like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I like the female characters that he wrote for us in Firefly. Dollhouse was a pretty damn cool show, too. Um, I am just so stoked that this man is going to be taking on that uh, that position. I couldn't be more excited about that. And it does feel like... Um, it, if it happens, because it hasn't happened, they haven't come blasting out with it, they haven't done casting announcements and stuff, and all kinds of things could go wrong, as we know. But it does feel like DCEU is, you know, saying, okay, well, let's, let's get a, a hold of this and let's start to kind of turn things around and make stories that inspire and entertain in a bunch of different ways. And, um, I mean, if they, if they do this right and they transition Ben Affleck's Batman into this world and he's got a, uh, you know, relationship with Barbara Gordon and a relationship with uh, Dick Grayson or Jason Todd or whoever they're going to they're introduce in there. Um, maybe Nightwing becomes a, a movie too. That all sounds incredible to me. And I, the thing that I realized too is that even if we're not all super huge fans of what's been happening, pretty soon there is going to be this body of work in uh, the DC movie universe that they are going to be able to draw upon and they are going to make some uh, you know, things that will entertain us. My fingers are still so cross for Justice League, but I want to hear from you guys. You guys have any uh, comments, any, uh, uh, you know, observations, anything you want to say about uh, um, uh, Barbara Gordon's feature debut, the first time Barbara Gordon... Actually, that's not true because I think... Oh, yeah, it is true because the Batman movie that was in theaters based on the 60s Batman... Uh, oh, wait a second. Alicia Silverstone was Batgirl too, right? Yes. Oh, my God, that was terrible. Uh, <laughs> um, let's say the, the, uh, the first authentic kind of screen representation, big screen representation of, of Batgirl might be happening, I think, in perfect hands. But what do you guys think? Are you guys, uh, you guys happy about that? Um, okay, uh, Blair's doing it right. He's Blair Farrell. Thank you. Uh, he's putting uh, question in all caps. That makes it a lot easier for me to check it out. Uh, given what happened with Suicide Squad and the reshoots, do you think uh, his vision would be compromised? Um, I think that there's going to be a t tremendous amount of trust with Joss Whedon. This guy knows the source material. He's proven himself. He hasn't written a whole, whole bunch of DC stuff, as we mentioned in our rundown story. Uh, but he knows the comics lore. He knows the fan base. Um, 
He knows how to communicate with the fan base. He knows how to keep the uh, the fan base kind of. I think what's been happening with a lot of reboots and remakes, and uh, you know, certainly that's true with Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. Is there's a uh, um, you know an anxiousness to fulfill the desires of the fan base rather than a known appreciation of what the fan base wants instinctively and delivering on that and kind of taking us on a journey that we weren't quite expecting. And I think you can absolutely say that about the first Avengers movie. Um, And then I think Joss himself even said it, that he ran into trouble with how many subplots and how many characters he had to deal with uh, with the Age of Ultron film. Uh, But still, I think this guy has an ability to kind of you know, be where you expect these things to be and then accelerate beyond that to a point of, uh, uh, you know, challenging you and uh, surprising you and being true to the source, you know. And I don't think I don't think Zack Snyder did that with Justice League I, or with uh, Batman versus Superman. I, I happen to be one of those people that was very impressed and entertained by Man of Steel. I really liked that movie. Um, I liked it because it wasn't the Donner Superman. Um, so I I will forever defend Man of Steel. I, I still really liked it. It, it. You know, it hit some great emotional stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff that doesn't work. I, I didn't like the Amy Adams uh, Lois Lane, but I'm not going to re-review that. Uh, but I did like that. So I think Snyder has it in him. I think he did some pretty good work with Watchmen. But there again, there's an example of a movie that kind of just meets the expectation, just kind of meets the fans at what they were thinking of and maybe doesn't quite get to, you know, the the reach or the, uh, um, you know, the the sort of counterculture value of Watchmen, but it was, you know, a well-made, entertaining movie. Um, But Josh can do all of that, which I am super psyched for. Uh, Okay. Uh, Omer, good to see you. Omer Sheik, good to see you. Uh, Hi, I'm new over here, and I really like your content. I got to know you because of Johnny of Happy Console Gamer. Keep it up. Thank you, Lanes. Uh, Let's see. Anybody got a comment on this stuff? I'm going to see Power Rangers. Uh, I'm going to see uh, Power Rangers tonight based solely on Victor's recommendation. Thank you, Lex. I had a good time, and I'm not the only one. I know there's been some good reviews for that movie. Uh, Gross Guitar, how you doing? Good to see you guys. Thanks, everybody, for uh, for tuning in on this Friday evening. Question from Beeline. Uh, do you think with the Batgirl movie they will do an adaptation of Killing Joke sometime? I think what they're going to do is they're going to make it part of the lore of the new movie. Um, I don't know how they're going to do that because it's such a destructive element, uh, not just in the, in the uh, Bat universe, but in like DC lore period. Um, and it really, you know, punches up exactly how grotesque and violent the Joker is. Um, maybe they would revisit it. I know there was a ton of backlash with the choices done on the, uh, and it was an uncomfortable movie to watch because of it, the, uh, the Killing Joke animated feature. Um, I, you know, I'm just happy that Wonder Woman is coming and we've got a female superhero that, uh, 
hopefully is honored in a really cool way. The trailers certainly have shown that that, that looks like it's very possible. I'm super happy that a Captain Marvel is going to be coming. Um, I think it's just about damn time, you know, let these fem- I, I think it's a travesty that we don't have a Black Widow film. I think Marvel's crazy not to put Scarlett Johansson, give her her due. Uh, I think she's been fantastic as uh, Black Widow in all of the Marvel flicks. She totally deserves her own film. Um, and maybe news like this is going to start to change some opinion and some, uh, you know, uh, some uh, strategies at these huge conglomerates to kind of shape things a little bit differently. But Killing Joke as a feature film could be crazy. Um, uh, Thorazine 666, Watchmen movie was great. Graphic novel is a masterpiece. Thumbs up to that. Uh, good evening, Greg Robinson. I liked it. All right, there you go. I think he's talking about, uh, uh, he is talking about the Power Rangers movie. Have you tried Persona 5 yet? I have not. I have not got my code yet. Uh, And unfortunately, I'm traveling all week next week, which is probably uh, when I would have been able to have the chance to play it. So I I won't have the chance to play it until uh, I get back. I will be doing a lot of Switch gaming while I'm on the road. Um, Hey, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, see if I missed anything. Jonathan McFowl, how you doing, Jonathan? Good to see you, man. Thank you for all your support. Very, very cool to see that you're at VFS. Uh, do you think Warner Brothers possibly bringing on Joss Whedon on for Batgirl might lead to uh, Warner Brothers transitioning Zack Snyder out for Joss Whedon if Justice League is a flop? See, that's that's the very easy conjecture to kind of build on, right? And what happens in that scenario? Because we have Joss Whedon, who was the Marvel centerpiece. Uh, it didn't end well with Joss and Marvel. There was a lot of frustration. I think Joss was just like, I'm out. I'm exhausted. I can't do this anymore, Um, understandably. And it's probably kind of telling that it takes two directors now with the Russo brothers to kind of carry that torch, right? That's a lot of work for one person with all those characters, all those vociferous fans. Uh, But the guy's got the, the, the talent. He's got the chops. He's got the credibility. He's earned the billions in box office. If I were Warner Brothers, knowing... You know, that there's a, a contingent of fans about um, uh, thinking about Zack Snyder. Oh, my computer died there. Thinking about uh, thinking about Zack Snyder um, and feeling like he is the wrong person for the job. The answer could be, well, let's find the right person for the job. And, you know, who in Hollywood would you trust with all of that money? Because that's what it really comes down to, right? Like these superheroes, each of them can be billions of dollars. So there are few people that we know of on earth that you feel like, okay, let's let them handle the billions of dollars that this all represents. And Joss Whedon is one of them, you know, especially in, uh, if Justice League flops, oh my God. I don't think it's going to flop. I think it's going to be huge because of, uh, you know, the hype and, and all these heroes together for the first time. But if it flops, I would not want to be in, in uh, Zack Snyder's office on the, on the Monday after Justice League or even the day after the, the first reviews come out. But uh, we'll see, man. Like the one line that I keep thinking about in the Justice League trailer, which I kind of like is uh, Gordon turning to Batman and saying, you're teaming up now. And then, and then, uh, uh, Alchemist says, so you dress up like a bat, I dig it. And then he says, it might be temporary. I kind of like that, that interchange. It could have been framed a little bit differently. It's a little obvious, but it did, it did feel 
it did feel like dialogue from a comic panel that I might have read, you know, which I think is cool. I really, really hope I love that Justice League movie, as I'm sure everybody here does, too. Uh, DJ Uncle Jay. Hey, Vic, I remember watching EP on TV in the late 90s. Look forward to seeing your show every week. Glad to see you're still at it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've done some soul searching for sure as we've been uh, delivering all of our digital content. But uh I can tell you emphatically that I love doing this job. I love being in this world of, uh, you know, I, I hate to uh, diminish it by calling it geeky obsession or nerdy stuff because that's crap. It's, it's full on the most popular pop culture that exists in the world. I've known that since I was pitching EP that these are multi-billion dollar things that we talk about and love and they don't get the respect that, that they deserve, but they also don't get the uh the creator respect they don't really reach out to uh the people that think up all of this stuff and and have the discussions with them and uh enough in in a lot of media out there and uh that's why i feel very proud and grateful that i've been able to do a lot of that with ep and um why i'm still addicted to it today you know why i still love um critiquing creative work um, and meeting creators and, and uh, having discussions about it. And the thing that's amazing, and I keep saying this, is that now we can all do it together, right? Thanks to, uh, thanks to this magical technology, which is crazy. And just so you guys know, I'm, I'm one man banding this right now. So I've got screens here, screens there, screens behind me. If something starts to screw up, I'll, I'll be frantically trying to figure it out. But uh, that's what's incredible, right? We used to have to take a lot of people to, uh, you know, light everything up and, and go, but uh, we can kind of be more streamlined. And, and now I got all you guys watching my back, which is incredible. Uh, Guitars and great nickname. I love that. Hey, Vic, I've loved you since the 90s. Great to see you here. What do you think of, the, of Whedon's Buffy comic? I haven't read that, but I've read a little bit of Whedon's X-Men stuff and I loved it. And I think I read the, the Runaways work that he did too. And I love that as well. The guy's just got a gift, man. He knows how to I mean, just watch him in an interview or watch him. And I've interviewed him a few times. He's, he's amazing. He's just like this, this, uh, I, he's, I don't know. He's, he's like this, I, I, he's a genius. I, I don't want to throw that word around lightly, but he, he's just one of these guys that has that, that, uh, that self-effacing kind of, you know, knowing you're in on the joke includes you into it. Uh, ability to kind of just craft a story and 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 craft a witticism or an observation uh and make it feel genuine and from the heart and and i think too what i always see pour out of him and it's why i've always had mad respect for the guy is that gratitude as well you know he knows uh that all of this stuff that you know people get to do in 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 a in the creative universe like that is a is a, a fleeting luxury and um and he's aware of it, and he and he, try, he tries his best to honor it. And uh, God, he makes some great stuff, you know. At the core, he just—I'll tell you something about Joss Whedon, okay? Um, I've watched a million movies and TV shows, and I'm a fan of a lot of stuff, and I've played tons of games. Firefly is the only show where I've gone on the internet after I watched it. And unfortunately, I didn't catch any of it on TV. It was all home videos, like the, the first is issues of the DVD um, uh, releases. But I watched it all voraciously, could not believe what was in front of me. But it was the only show, the, I think really the only filmed project where after the season was concluded, I went and 
Googled up all of the scripts and downloaded them and printed them all up because I, I wanted to read them and see how Josh fra uh, Joss framed his shots and has built his characters on the printed page. And uh, I was just in awe. And I still am. Still in awe. I mean, God, you guys remember seeing the Avengers in, in the theater for the first time when, you know, Hulk grabs Loki and, and calls him a puny god and just bashes back and forth? I mean, incredible. Incredible. Okay. Uh, other things happened this week other than my my adoration for Joss Whedon. Uh, let's skip ahead a little bit here. Let's see where we are. Nice Batgirl imagery though, huh? What a character. I love the character. She's got a great costume. I love the new, uh, uh, the new renderings and the new kind of vision for, for Barbara Gordon as well. Super cool. And I think that's kind of in line with the way that, that they're gonna go for the film look of it. Um, and, it, you know, what will be interesting is how they're gonna uh, make Barbara Gordon and, and she's got, you know, color. She's got, you know, bright red hair and, and just color to the character. How is that gonna fit in a muted Joss Whedon universe? Okay. Uh, hey, Vic, watching from England. Uh, late dinner at Basement with Vic. Great show. That's uh, Mint Croydon Gamer. Thank you so much. Love the UK. Love visiting uh, your country and uh, can't wait to get back. I love it over there. Um, actually have a just love Edinburgh. I don't know if you're based in Edinburgh, Scotland, but that, that is one of my favorite cities on earth. Uh, but let's talk about the other big news is the uh, Destiny 2 reveal. We don't know a whole bunch right now. Obviously, there's uh, a lot of concern about, um, you know, exclusivity and, and uh, how long console exclusivity is going to be for the PlayStation 4. We know now that it's coming to the PC, which is uh, fantastic. We also know now that Destiny 2 is not going to uh, carry over all of your skills and all of the stuff that you have uh, uh, been leveling up in the first destiny and there's been a lot of lifers man a lot of people that uh, still play destiny one every single day that are uh champing at the bit to get into the into the sequel but the thing that is very cool to see is now we see characters now we see story we see a sense of humor we got nathan fillion doing some voices another firefly homage should we just connect all the dots here so it's firefly all the way through i think that'd be great uh and then uh, we revealed jewel state she's on the show now that'd be amazing uh another day uh but uh no it, it's uh it looks like it, i mean this is what happened right bungie got the investment from activision this was like okay the halo team we know you can make amazing huge things that, that will register and hit with a lot of people they did that they maybe didn't do it to the degree that activision and bungie were hoping but they certainly you know rocked the world with the with the destiny one entertainment but what's happened is that they've made enough money that they can embellish and they can add and they can start to make us more uh, interested in the intricacies. And hopefully what's going to happen is that we're not going to do this reverse, um, you know, grinding with, uh, with the dungeons and stuff like that. Hopefully we're not going to just like see the same kinds of experiences with a new coat of paint, you know. There's too much of that. It felt like we were uh, revisiting and visit, you know, visiting and revisiting a lot of the same areas in the first game. Um, and we didn't really connect with, with the care. I mean, you customize your own thing. I'll pause it right here because that's the next story. Um, you didn't really, um, actually, I'm going to go back to Destiny because we're going to talk about Destiny. I want to hear from you guys. Um, but uh, we didn't really connect with the people that we were, we were meeting, you know, 
on space stations and, and uh, uh, you know, running around in the city and stuff like that. There was a couple of cool interchanges and some great VO and some, some uh, you know, cool cameos from uh, great actors. But it wasn't enough. And I, I, that, I th- I'm happy to see that that's the first thing that they're addressing. I can't wait to get my hands on the game. I can't wait to play it and, and sort of let the, uh, the fiction of Destiny wash over me. But how do you guys feel? Are you excited? Is Destiny 2 something that you were psyched to see in the rundown this week and something that you are, uh, you, you know, you're already thinking about uh, uh, spending your 80 to $250 for the collector's edition? Are you psyched? about destiny 2 i want to hear from you uh the wren has showed up yo yo how are you doing good to see you uh blair uh blair farrell nathan filling did a little voice acting in uh uh into uh, guardians of the galaxy fantastic uh destiny 2 seems like they borrowed that robot's personality uh, this is NHSADM uh, saying Destiny 2 says they borrowed that robot's personality from Deadpool. Yeah, for sure. Nathan Fillion would do a pretty good voice for Deadpool too, wouldn't he? Um, will there be a little reunion for an episode with Tommy? That's from uh, Matri, uh, Matra Mobius 81. Absolutely. Um, somehow this year, for sure, we're going to have some kind of connection again. I miss that guy. I miss uh, bouncing stuff off of that crazy goofball. Um, he's got a <laughs> thing about Tommy. Uh, always has a million stories, has always been doing something. One of the busiest, hardest working people I've ever met in my life. And uh, you guys know he's an entertaining person. So I definitely want to connect with him and, and get caught up and you know, hopefully it will be something like this, some, some kind of a live setting like this so we can chat together, right? Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, question from M. Brockerock. With the new Spider-Man and Justice League trailer, do you think that they are ruining movies by giving too much away in trailers now? That That's a good question. And I did bring a little bit of that up in the, uh, in the, uh, the trailer conversation that I did earlier this week. That is also the big news is all the, the sort of movie reveal stuff that's happening out of CinemaCon. And that uh, Spider-Man Homecoming trailer was directly lifted from there. It came right out of that. Um, and I, I do agree with you. The Spider-Man Homecoming trailer, you see so much that you feel like you get the whole through line. You get the whole plot of the film. The Justice League movie it seem, uh, trailer seems very scattered to me. Uh, maybe purposely so, purposefully so, because uh, obviously they have Wonder Woman in the pipeline next, and they've got a long bunch of months to kind of hype us up until November, till the movie comes out. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do some sliver character backstory uh, vignettes that kind of give us an idea of who the bad guys are, uh, you know, who parademons are, who Steppenwolf is. Um, because to be frank, I don't know all of those details. You know, I am a pretty well-read comic nerd, but I don't know all of that stuff. And it's kind of nuts to me that Warner Brothers is just going, yeah, let's floor it, man. Let's just give them all of this stuff. You know, it's kind of like in Suicide Squad. What was the care? Was it Whiplash or something? Um, on screen for like 10 seconds and then gone, you know? And it's like, it's like they're taking piles of... of their money and they're just burning it with that when you when you do stuff like that you know uh so yeah in justice league's case not enough which may actually serve that movie in spider-man homecoming too much but maybe because there's an exhaustion around spider-man 
uh, and a, suspic- a suspicion, if that's the correct word, or, uh, um, you know, uh, people sort of a little waned on hype and not feeling it so much for Spider-Man because we're rebooting it over and over again. Maybe they felt like, no, we have to show that this is a new character and it's a new, um, you know, vibe around Spider-Man. I think it's going to be a big hit, and I think it's going to be a great movie because Marvel has been batting pretty well recently. Uh, Okay, let's see what we got here. Iron Man, uh, Blair Farrell, Iron Man is looking to foster the future, and Peter is looking for a father figure. uh, Having lost Uncle Ben, I'm very interested in that dynamic. Yep. Yep, very cool. Again, just, just describe the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> David Brown, Steppenwolf. Ah, one of the greatest bands of all time. Yeah, different. Different Steppenwolf. Um, would be interesting if Steppenwolf music was in uh, the Justice League movie, though. Uh, uh, did I enjoy the first... Destiny. Personally, this is from DJ Uncle Jay. Did you enjoy the first Destiny? Personally, I thought it was a good game and looked beautiful, but it just got boring over time. Yeah, I mean, that was the criticism, right? It's like, okay, I get this. I've I've done this this mission a lot. Okay, yeah. Oh, I get to do this again. I get to do this. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, we shoot stuff in shooters so much. And, you know, back in the 90s, when, when first-person shooters were really kind of taken off, I guess the, uh, the early 2000s, I really had this feeling like, okay, I, I guess we're just, uh, we're, we've got a million of these. They're pretty fun, but that's got to be it, right? That's gonna, that's, like, they're not going to go for that much longer. Like, we're, we're going to get tired of just being behind a gun and running around and shooting things. And we didn't because of things like Modern Warfare and and, uh, Halo and lots of games that kind of introduced a mystique or a story or characters or, you know, narrative that was like, wow, this is great. Or or even taking that amount of design discipline into the multiplayer and throwing up like a cavalcade of awesome rewards that, you know, you're, you're kind of unlocking like you're at a slot machine. Um, so the genre is very much alive, but it's a very, very crowded and um, competitive genre and space, you know, and you have to come with incredible ideas. And I don't think that that Destiny has had the time to kind of make itself uh, the fulfillment of its uh, of its uh, promise, you know, and so. And I th- I'm sure what happened is they built the game. They had the budget to build the thing and build the uh, the DLC. They did the best that they could with the DLC, but probably two years ago, they they uh, they said, okay, you're, you guys are on Destiny 2 now. You take all of our learning and you build up this stuff and, and you know, let's get the fan feedback and let's get all the analytics and all the other stuff that, that uh, goes into game making now. And uh, let's embellish and make it all more in line with uh you know what we're hoping for out of destiny with the second one and uh hopefully hopefully that's exactly what happens for um for the current destiny fans that are still with it um and for maybe some of those the uh the people that said uh okay had enough got it don't need any more uh maybe this will be the one that brings us all back but you know there's still tons of room to innovate and come out of nowhere or even come back from uh, nowhere like doom did and like overwatch did and uh shake up the whole genre you know or even titanfall 2 which was our game of the year last year um which introduced all kinds of awesome you know mechanics and story subplots and delivered on an excellent single player campaign and an awesome multiplayer um option um and that's the 
I mean, that's, the, that's where the money is, right? Like Call of Duty is, is persistent. Battlefield is persistent. Now Battlefront will be persistent. These things are heavy hitters. We, there's an expectation of millions of people and, and uh, not, not only their money, but their time being sucked into those huge properties. So you have to come to the table now. You've got to throw in Overwatch in that equation. You have to come to the table and say, well, how do you get all of those people to put down their controllers or their mouse and keyboards and come over to this again and destiny 2 can't do what destiny 1 did again we can't feel like we're just you know doing a lot of the same types of missions over and over again but they have obviously um you know delivered lots of cool things like the uh like the races and things like that um but anyways uh let's continue on titanfall 2 and sheep we trust titanfall 2 2 needs to be back some classic uh needs to bring back some classic game modes like mark for death and deadly ground uh some good advice there i hope you're tweeting the uh, respawn guys uh, swangor uh putting his fist up in the air and saying titanfall 2 is great more people need to play it that's my impression of uh, of donnie Okay, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about, uh, speaking of bringing things back from the past, another big announcement that happened today. I'm trying to be so casual here as I'm controlling my computer with my left hand. Uh, is StarCraft is back. Oh, boy, that looks, okay. <laughs> That's, <laughs> oh, my God, when you see that old footage, I'm going to pause it right there. When you see that old footage and, and it's just all blocky and pixelated, Wow, we've come a long way, baby. Uh, this is the remastered StarCraft. And um, obviously, this is something that I think many longtime gamers have been wondering, what the hell, why, why haven't they done that? Especially, even though StarCraft remastered it has been announced for PC, Mac, and, and uh, probably other computer platforms, possibly the consoles, you look at this and you go, well, if it's got the same functionality that was around in the, in the 90s, why couldn't that exist on a tablet? Why couldn't that be... You know, you drag your finger across the, the units and you get them to do the resource gathering and, the, and the get into combat and stuff like that. That, to me, seems like, like, like the perfect business model for Blizzard to go with StarCraft Remastered. I, I'm curious... I'm, I, you know, I want to check this out, especially comparing it to, you know, modern RTS things. Like we, I just played Halo Wars 2. I'm very excited about Dawn of War 3. Um, I played a little bit of uh, Total War Warhammer, and I want to go back to it. Now they've just announced the sequel to that, so obviously it's doing well. But it's going to be interesting to look at, you know, 20-year-old mechanics and see RTS mechanics and see how they hold up. Are you guys fans? Are you guys still... Are you still fired up? Do you, are you still excited that uh, you know Blizzard is finally bringing us back one of their earliest, their earliest hits? Let me know in the comments below. Uh, we got uh, Portal Player saying hello, hello Portal Player, good to see you. Uh, Chaos Seven had a comment about Destiny Two. Destiny Two reveal trailer was lackluster. They need to show something that will convince a lot of us why we should give it another shot. So there's a there's a fellow. I'm assuming you're a fellow, tell me if you're not, uh, that feels burned by the first game um, in Sheep We Trust. Still, Titanfall 2 is still his favorite game. Uh, Mr. Brockerock, nope, I'm a pass on StarCraft. <laughs> okay, so that's that. So it's one of our big, big stories from uh, the rundown this week, and it's like, meh, nah, don't care. Don't care about that. Uh, Blizzard should make Diablo 2. Well, you know what likely will happen. Uh, you know, they're clearly 
they're clearly sort of testing the waters here, but they're also probably because it takes them so long <laughs> to, to make these massive PC games that they're known for. So they're probably trying to figure out, well, you know, we've made some great ones. Why don't we sell them again? You know, why don't we fix them up and, and get them to our, our uh, hardcore fans out there and reintroduce people to uh, where we came from? Uh, while we take another 10 years to build StarCraft III. Um, so, you know, clearly uh, this is, they've, and they tried some Diablo content. We did that in the story. They tried some old Diablo stuff in Diablo III, and it didn't go over all that well. So, But clearly they're thinking, we, we, we have gold here. Let's figure out how to get it to people. I think, and Blizzard, if you're listening, I think your secret is, uh, you know, going further into the tablet sphere. You're already making tons of money off Hearthstone. Why don't you do a kick-ass RTS? I mean, why don't we play a, a killer version of the first Diablo for iPad and Android devices and even on the, the Switch tablet, man? That would be incredible. Um, or you could just use your fingers and tap, tap, tap. Uh, it's cool to get Destiny on a PC. Destiny does have some fans out there. Uh, that's from a Metal Hawk. Um, StarCraft Ghost, DJ Uncle J. Oh, my God, you're bringing back some memories there. You guys would not believe how much vaporware I've seen in my... This will be my 24th E3, but so many things that I've I've seen, like the, like the Phantom and uh, um, the Apple Pippin which was the Apple was at E3 one year with their console. Um, Starcraft Ghost, I can certainly remember. Star Wars 1313, the Indiana Jones game. So many things along the way where it was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I can't wait till this is coming. I can't wait to play this. I can't wait till this comes out. And then, nope, dead, gone. History, bang. Uh KOTOR 3, KOTOR Remaster would be so great. Well, you can play KOTOR kind of remastered on the tablets, and it's actually pretty good, or your phone, which is crazy. Uh, what we need is an NVIDIA-based Windows gaming tablet with controls like the Switch. NHSADM, count on that happening. Count on that happening. Uh, Switch, uh, which we're going to be talking about pretty soon here, is selling like hotcakes, the proverbial and uh, everybody's paying attention to that, you know, like GameSpot has been or GameStop has been throwing out uh, Hi GameSpot. Uh, GameStop has been throwing out uh, um, comments that uh, the switch is going to save our business. This everybody buy the switch. Uh, so, you know, they're taking it very seriously. It's doing very well. And I suspect that we are going to we are going to hear about competitors to the switch because you know it's one of those those crazy things where it's like oh i guess they're trying the wii u again until you get it it's like this is amazing this is so cool that it's poof it's on my tv and then oh i can go on a bus or i can go on the, the train with it this is amazing i get to just keep my game so like totally makes sense and now that it's out there and it's selling so well and and Everybody, not just gamers, not just us, not just the people that follow all this stuff. Everybody's kind of like, is that the Switch? Is that, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, you can take the controllers off. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I think we're going we're gonna to see that influence. Okay. Uh, Chaos 7, speaking of vaporware over the years, what game's cancellation was your biggest disappointment? Mine was uh, True Fantasy Live Online for the original Xbox. Oh, boy. I, I didn't come prepared for that, but... Uh, um, yeah, I think 
it's less about a game and more about a studio. And the one that sticks with me is Pandemic. I've talked about them a lot over the years, but um, that's a that was a team that we worked with actually a couple times because we did some uh, uh, pretty elaborate Star Wars Battlefront stories. Uh, one of them was in their offices while they were making their game, and, and they were very, very uh, cordial and polite as they put up with us running around shooting stormtroopers. Uh, but they were wonderful people to work with, and it was a wonderful studio, and they were so ambitious. If you guys can recall, they did the Mercenaries game, the Lord of the Rings game, which was kind of like Battlefront, Battlefront 2, and... Um, uh, Saboteur all came out of that studio within a like a 18 month time frame, and I, I don't think there was any crossover of any of those open world engines. I think each one of them was a distinct engine. Uh, probably Lord of the Rings and Star Wars shared a lot of stuff, and it was just insane. Like the costs to do all of that must have been so I mean it was a lot of people in that studio but it, it must have been so expensive to build all of that stuff so quickly and if you look at them though all of those games pretty damn good you know not perfect Battlefront 2 was incredible though I still have so many fantastic memories of of uh, playing online with people but I really loved the Saboteur game as well. That really got under my skin. That was one of those games where you play it and you play it. And I'm like, I got to go and blow up every Nazi installation. And that was such a hard game to, to drop, you know. I love games like that. that you, the games that you play in your mind when you're not playing them. Um, but it was tragic to see them sort of be wrapped up into EA and then just gone you know some of the developers are definitely still at ea and they got smeared and moved around to a bunch of places but that studio was something special so when you think when i think of cancellations it's not so much um i mean i would have loved to have seen their battlefront 3 but it was more just that company of those great people gone that sucks um okay uh switch needs more games though leafs fan b calling them out Shaking a fist at Nintendo. Uh, Blair Farrell, question. A lot of third parties have been gun-shy on the Switch. No Telltale, Capcom, Disney collection. Do you think third parties will start to come on and will um, uh, first party dominate again? Or will first party? I think um, a lot of third parties are going to come on. Um, I think the uh, the indies have lined up. I think there's going to be a lot of pretty interesting indie stuff starting to happen. I can't wait to play Shakedown Hawaii on that. Hi, Brian, if you're watching. Um uh, but I think that the uh, machine is selling so well and there's so much hype around it and Zelda is so good and, and uh, you know, Nintendo is on fire. Um, I think that they're going to start to get a lot more attention from every game company out there um, in every means, you know, not just people lining up to publish their games there or to port games there. Um, but also I think they're going to start to feel the heat of, of real competition in some significant ways as well. This is just me speculating. Uh, but uh, they came out with something that people want, and the games industry is quick to respond to that. Uh, the Tech Junkie has three happy faces for me, not just two people, three happy faces Tech Junkie. If they're for me, I don't, I don't know if they're for me. They might be for somebody else there. Saboteur 2 would be business agreed. Hashtag after the business. That's new. Uh, oh, my computer died again. Blue screen of death. Um, uh, yeah, but it will be shovelware again. Will it be shovelware again like the Wii? There's somebody that's very cynical and maybe feels burnt out on uh, the Wii. Uh, bonjour. I don't think... I think the Switch has got a better... Uh, 
a better plan, better strategy. It's good tech. It's not the best high tech, but it's pretty damn cool tech, especially when you take it. It looks good on TV, but when you take it out and you walk around with it and it's still the same thing, that is cool. That's awesome. Um, I mean, the closest we could do to that, guys, let's be let's be frank about this and clear about it, is to a either stream a game to our Vita that we've been playing on the console, which is cool, but a little cumbersome, or uh, pick up where we left off on our laptop on somewhere that has actually you don't need you, always, you don't always need um, a Wi-Fi connection. You could but you would if you wanted to pick up your save game. But then you're also taking a bit of a, a hit compared to what you would have when you got back to your desktop. This is the same experience. It's cool. Okay. Um, uh, but the I remember that uh, Saboteur had to self-censor to get the M rating, then launched the free patch on Xbox Live. Yeah, I forget what, what that was about. There were a lot of boobies in that game, though. I do remember that. I tried exclamation point, but uh, fat-fingered hit the... Uh, Hit the hashtag. We've all done that, Ty Lord. It's okay. You're among friends here. Um, worst case, Ontario. Happy face. Big smiley face. Thank you so much. Thank you. There's a lot of Windows Android devices that try to copy the Switch idea. Um, yeah, actually. And uh, funny you should mention Windows and Android device. Oh, that's cool. I didn't notice that they went from the 4x3 to the much wider. That, see, that, StarCraft's looking much better, the old classic StarCraft. StarCraft remastered okay all right so i you know even though you guys nobody really cared too much about it in the uh, chat there i'm excited about playing starcraft remastered now that trailer did enough okay so here's the next big story that's happened uh just this wednesday samsung uh, the requisite guy in a, a vr headset thing just this wednesday um Samsung had the big unveiling for the uh, Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus. I had a, uh, a briefing this morning, actually, with uh, Samsung folks. Hello, Samsung folks. And, uh, uh, and I've watched a couple of videos about the features on this phone. And uh, clearly, it is the, I forget the size, but it, they've taken up, there's like, there's very little bezel on this sucker. It's almost all screen. And um, they they have kind of moved to a whole new uh, aspect ratio. So when you're watching movies and TV shows and stuff like that that are, that are shot in super widescreen, it fills up most of the frame. Um, you know, a lot of you know pretty powerful technology in this sucker. One of the things that's really cool is you can plug it into, I think they call it DeX or something like that. You plug it into a little base station and then you plug that into a monitor and it turns your phone into a little portable desktop computer um, and you can run apps and stuff like uh, like that almost look like desktop apps off of your phone with a mouse and probably presumably a keyboard uh, one of the cool things it has uh, simultaneous dual bluetooth in it which is kind of crazy um, and uh, so you could be listening to two separate audio sources within the phone somebody could be playing a game and somebody could be listening to music at the same time off of this thing a lot of you know extraneous like what the hell why would we ever want that kind of thing but honestly that's where phones have gotten to you know like um, the fact that this has got this super wide thing that's got a, a button built into the software now. It's not a hardware button that you click. Uh, you can customize where you have stuff, uh, where you have your, your um, um, 
uh, back button and your all button, you know, where you can look at all the pages. You can place those in, in different orders there. There's that desk thing that, or dex thing that I was talking about. Um, oh, we're into the switch already. Um, pause it right there. Um, and then you got this, this uh, super wide, super cool, beautiful screen. It just looks like you're holding a screen, which is pretty damn rad. They haven't sent me a review unit. That's coming. Uh, but I'm psyched to review it. I'm psyched to check out the new um, Gear VR that, that is going to take advantage of this. I don't know if the increased screen real estate is going to make a difference, but presumably it will. Um, I, I am also curious to see what Samsung's uh, new AI uh uh, implementation they call it Bixby and they've actually included a separate button on the phone that's just for Bixby so they've invested heavily in that direction which seems a little bit nuts um, but you know maybe it's it's going to be cool you know of course it's not baseline Android they've got a, a whole top layer of the Samsung sort of uh, apps and widgets and things like that but they've been improving and iterating on that uh, all the way along. Uh, they have a tremendous amount of um, uphill climbing to, to win back uh, sort of consumer confidence and airline confidence on uh, the, the stuff that happened with uh, Note 7. Uh, but you know, that was kind of a, a weird circumstance for Samsung. It wasn't, you know, the norm for that company. They've released a lot of really fantastic products. I actually love the Note 7 I, when I reviewed it last year, if you guys can remember. Um, and I, so I'm psyched. I can't wait to try this thing. I, I really, I want to see, uh, you know, I want to see that giant screen in my hands and, and uh, see what, what movies and games look like firsthand like that. I mean, I think that's the core thing. It's got an improved front-facing camera. Uh, I think the back camera uh, on, the, on the rear for taking the regular photos really kind of hasn't changed all that much. One of the cool things that they said, though, is uh, um, they've crafted more um, strength for water pressure. So you can actually go, you know, into shallow water and swim for a bit, take photos and underwater and not worry about it, which is unbelievable to me. These things are nuts that they're so crazy elaborate and, and they reach with all these, these grand ideas and stuff. But if you're like me, I do so much of my work on the phone. I do so much email and so much research and and so much communication. Uh, you know, it's they really become a second brain, right? So I, I don't think these these companies have reached their pinnacle with this stuff, or they've reached the peak of what they're going to be able to do with these things. Um, and they're going to keep trying, you know, and they got to try things that uh, might seem crazy or superfluous and maybe they scale back. I think it's going to be weird for people to uh, uh, not have a physical home button on this thing and get used to that. Um, you've got a fingerprint sensor now, which is on the back, uh, which looks a little bit weird because you're kind of putting the finger right over where the camera lens is going to be. So I bet you we're going to see some smudgy photos off the Galaxy S8. Um, but maybe they've worked out some technology to deal with that. I know one of the things that they have is they want to push people to the retina scanning. Um, and we've seen that before in Samsung devices, but apparently it's much more precise now. So you just hold up the thing and it sees your eyeballs and then you're Boof into your phone. But what do you guys think? Are you excited about the uh, the Galaxy S8? Are you uh, are you big uh, up uh, big on keeping up with uh, you know the the sort of yearly iterations of these things, or do you sort of take a break and check these things out every few years? I want to know where you where you stand. Uh, Mr. Brockerock has a comment about the new batteries. 
hoping that Samsung has found some new batteries. Yes, let's all hope that, right? How's it going? Uh, Taysin's Gaming Spot from Australia. Big hello. Right on. Good to see you. Uh, we miss being on the air in Australia. I don't know if a lot of people know that are watching the stream, but we had a nice run with uh, um, uh, Sci-Fi Australia before they changed to the SYFY channel down there. And it was really cool. It was great to get feedback from viewers down there. And thank you for joining us. I don't know if you found out about EP through watching us on TV down there, but that's awesome. Um, Jeremy uh, Komar Nikki has an S3, so maybe maybe checking out the S8. We'll find out. Uh, Immortal Games, I can't keep up with the new phones everywhere. I need to sign long-term contracts to afford them. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the thing with uh, you know the phone carriers and the companies. Everybody's trying to get their their two cents in on this, and, and it does make me a little bit suspicious when you know like this is an Android device, so. You've got the Google Assistant with the Google Now interface already. So you've got AI on your phone that will help you navigate and predict things that you might need. But then they've got Bixby on there. And these are investments from these companies. So there's got to be some kind of return that they're thinking of built in sort of, you know, AI advertising or stuff uh, or something. And it, it just feels weird to me that there's going to be layer layered AI people like would the ai fight you know would the google now ai fight the bixby ai that would actually be kind of fun maybe they could do that maybe maybe there's some game developer out there that can create the uh the video game version of that that could be pretty cool uh david brown apple all the way brother vic david brown putting it down uh dan wood uh yeah i've always paid cash for unlocked device it's a big chunk all at once but you save so much not being locked in dan wood um i've taken that approach several times myself um it sure hurts on that day though doesn't it youch these things are not cheap but the way that i kind of justify it is that I've, i use this even more than my uh, desktop computer as i'm sure most of you guys do now at this point it's it's uh it's immediate it's always accessible and uh, sometimes uh, things just go are just faster. Do you guys notice that when you're working on your cell phone? Uh, just the getting into apps and dealing with stuff is just quicker sometimes. Just use it, doing it on the phone than it is to go and boot up a computer and find the thing. And there's definitely more money being made from cell phones. So I think there's a lot more engineering work and, and uh, a lot more you know, stress to make things faster and speedier and more bulletproof there. Uh, okay, Brian M. Still waiting on the Iron Man 2 phone. Yeah, seriously. Did you buy that? Is that for real? Right, those things were like $5,000 or something like that. They, uh, Samsung made an Iron Man 2 phone and it was really hard to get. Uh, the docking of phones into workstations might be big for companies if the phone is powerful enough as a dedicated machine and went bent properly for heat. Yeah, good point, Mr. Brockerock. I think that's a pretty cool new uh, uh, direction, right? I mean, these things are getting so powerful that they could easily run a lot of desktop applications, certainly word processing and, and Excel sheets and stuff like that. Um, do you think Nintendo will copy the iPad model for the Switch? Portal player is asking. Uh, what do you mean in terms of um, iterations? Like next year, we'll get a uh, uh, the Switch Pro. Um, I think there's some inevitability there. I think the the modular design of the Switch is um, on purpose. Uh, you know, you can 
you start to factor up the cost. Like if you bought a, a dock, it's a hundred close to a hundred bucks. If you bought the Joy Cons, they're close to a hundred bucks. There's two hundred bucks of your three or four hundred dollars, depending on where you bought the uh, the switch. Um, and so you start to realize that the the actual componentry of the game running device is not that expensive, you know, when you consider everything. So the idea that maybe they'd want to beef that up, but it could still run the older software, not hard to fathom. They've done that before, and the industry seems to be moving. There was a big question about that yesterday, actually. Um, about uh, how console generation, we did the, uh, our, our, fan, our EP fan question of the day was about console generations. So I, I do think the modular idea with the, with the switch will come into play. Uh, cell phone size switch would be great. Huh, interesting. Switch light. Wow, you guys, have you guys seen some of the, uh, the mods for the switch that are out there? I saw an amazing one of, uh, that looked like the uh, Super Nintendo, the Super Famicom. Amazing, with colored buttons and everything. Must have been just a CG mock-up, but it was great. Uh, it'd be really cool to be able to expand and contact the actual phone. Okay. Somebody may be having a, uh, uh, a joint right now as they're watching Fixed Basement, which is it's all good. Uh, don't, don't quite know what you mean there, VG2 review, but I think you might be having a great Friday. Uh, okay, uh, let's see what's going on here. Uh, not excited. I used to get really right into mobile phones. This is Brian M. Uh, not enough innovations. Oh, man, those guys are working so hard, Brian. Uh, think Microsoft and Sony would develop their own versions of the Switch. Tylord, I think they might be eyeing that. They might be sizing that up right now. Um <laughs> Uh, Gross Guitar, Victor Lucas, Last of Us 2. I think, I think Gross Guitar has just uh, started a page to get me in as a playable character into The Last of Us 2. Is that right? Awesome. That's fantastic. So, yes, sign that petition. Let's make that happen. Rakomi, what's your opinion about what happened to Colin Moriarty from uh, Kind of Funny? Uh, that's a big question. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of sad how that all went down. You know, I think... Um, uh, you know, I think Colin kind of got blindsided by uh, a, a lot of hate and a lot of venom. I think that his joke was, uh, you know, a little ill-timed, but that's kind of when jokes are supposed to happen, right? I mean, comedy is supposed to be a little edgy. And uh, I don't think the joke was that bad, uh, but I can understand, you know, the, the absolute sensitivities around that and, and the fact that, uh, especially in the political climate that we have right now, women feeling very sensitive about, uh, you know, their, their value and, and their, their time to kind of recognize their place in the world. And uh, I, I can understand the tensions on, on that side 100%. But I feel I f what I feel the worst about is just the, the fact that Colin and, and Greg in particular are roommates and buddies that go back a long time and they built so much content together and and uh, and they had to kind of just part ways there. And I, I don't know the intricacies or the details of what their relationship is like right now, but I can tell you from firsthand experience that uh, those transitions are very difficult and very emotional and very hard and and. Uh, it, it's, um, you know, like when, when you get together with colleagues and you all invest and you work your butts off to build something creative and build it together and, and uh, a person leaves and it, it shakes up the, the kind of foundation of how that stuff all happens. It's 
it's like an earthquake goes off in your dream, you know? It's like, and you kind of just have to like deal with all of that. I'm very happy for Colin sort of transitioning out of there, finding some platforms to kind of express his position and finding all of that support out there and being able to kind of build up his uh, his new project. Um, but mostly I just feel, I feel bad that kind of funny got the, the big shakeup like that, you know? They got the, the, the sort of, and they're going to be fine. They're going to work through this, and it's going to make you know the uh, the uh, Nick and and uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting the other guy's name right now. I'm so sorry. Uh, I uh, you guys will tell me, uh, but it's going to make the team much stronger, you know. And um, they are just going to evolve and 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 develop new cool content. They've got a great momentum going there. I notice that they're hiring new people all the time. Um, so I think I think everybody's going to be fine, but. You know, I'm sure like many of you that have probably watched our content for a long time were really sad when Tommy left, you know, and I was freaking out when Tommy left because I didn't know what I was going to do. But you kind of figure out how to continue and what to do. I mean, look what look what we're doing here today. You know, you just you kind of just have to roll with it. And Colin's rolling with it. And and uh, the kind of funny team is rolling with it right now, too. Um, uh, Okay. Um, good question, though. Uh, Usman Rafiq, thoughts on the new BlackBerry Key 1 device? Have not seen that at all. And I'm sorry to, uh, you know, anybody that, that might work at BlackBerry. It's a Canadian company. So much great heritage and history there with uh, what they've done for mobile technology. But I, I haven't paid attention to it. Part of it is uh, uh, BlackBerry doesn't have the the uh, the marketing muscle that a Samsung or Apple does right now, where they not only put on these huge global events like they just did for the Samsung thing in New York, but they uh, they reach you in a million different ways. And uh, nobody from BlackBerry has contacted me to say, check out this new phone or anything like that. Um, um, uh, VG2 review, like how you can zoom in on your phone with two fingers, but the whole phone, but like the whole phone. Okay. Uh, portal player, Tommy should have stayed with EPN. Tell you what, nobody really ever leaves EPN. They're always a part of it, you know, um, but people move to different things, you know, they move on. But the the thing that I've recognized is that uh, because people end up coming, if, if I can keep it going, thanks to you, um, people will come back, you know, and then new people kind of roll in. And that's kind of what what, we're into 24 years of this or 23 years now. That's kind of what has happened is that, you know, we've just rolled in a lot of great people and personalities over the years. And uh, almost everybody has left or has moved or done things on really great solid terms. And, and, uh, um, you know, I want to have people back, but Obviously, people have other ambitions and other dreams and things happen and and, uh, and changes happen, you know, but you keep rolling on. Uh, two hearts for Tommy. Tron from, Gro- uh, from uh, Gross Guitar. Uh, Tommy would have put the switch down his pants. Thank God he wasn't there for that. Uh, question from uh, Nivel uh, Kasura. No, I'm butchering that. Nivla 
Kasura, Nivla Kasura. Do you sell any EPN merchandise? I would definitely buy a shirt or hat or something. That's a great question. I've been thinking about that. Um, I've certainly been thinking about, uh, um, since I announced that we're going to go hardcore on uh, getting as much content to you guys as we can through our digital channels here, uh, thinking about ways to kind of build, uh, you know, a monetary business here and and grow this. Um, And I've thought that that might be something to pursue. so I, I don't have an answer really about that. I'm going to look into stuff like that. Um, and I'm thinking about all, all kinds of new strategies, you know, and I'll keep you posted. How does that sound? And uh, if you guys all let me know that uh, you would want a shirt or, or a hat or something like that, and uh, I keep hearing that, then that's definitely going to push me in that direction. I. It, 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 my hesitations around all of that stuff has always been is that my core business, my key business has been to collect a ton of material and get it to you guys and just work on this stuff, uh, review these things, interview these people, put these news pieces together, do these. Now it's doing these streams and doing these uh, these conversation moment uh, things like the Vic's Basement podcast. And I, I don't want all of that to kind of be pushed aside while I'm trying to sell things, you know? Because if I'm trying to sell anything, and you guys need to know this, if I'm trying to sell you a t-shirt or it, like if we go to Patreon and we have subscription options or whatever, if, if I'm trying to do any of that, it's only so I can keep doing this. And hopefully, uh, if we go in that direction, we have, uh, you, you know, the money to, to grow up again, you know, to, to build up again so that I've got some some other people and some new faces and, and, uh, uh, some good contributions, you know? Um, uh, but I, I don't have any announcements. I don't have anything that, you know, sort of hint at or anything like that right now. Let's just get through today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris at ESPN is a front for a drug cartel. Wow. Well, this chat's getting crazy right now. So Ty Lord wants an EPN mug. Sounds great, man. I should grow a Ron Burgundy mustache. <laughs> that could be my deal, right? I'd rock a t-shirt. All right. Okay, cool. Uh, some vinyl heads. Just just me and my, my head, right? Just a uh, little stick body and a head. Okay, let's move on to, uh, I think this is our last big news discussion of the week. Yes, I think so. Let's see. Is it? Yes, it is. You guys can see what it's all about right there. It is the um, <laughs> the the hardware most of most of the people can't buy right now. I want to know if you bought a switch and how uh, how difficult it was to get one. Were you able to get one on launch day? Um, are you still checking? Tell me about your switch exp- experiences right now, okay? If you have one, uh, and if you don't want one. Tell me that, too, in the chat. Tell me why you don't want one. And this goes for everybody that's watching this after the fact, too, for people that didn't tune in live. Um, And just so everybody knows, we're going to try to do this as often as we can on Fridays after we've done a bunch of rundown content for the week. I want to do more of these live recaps like this. So uh, if you couldn't make it live to this one, uh, uh, don't fret. We're going to be doing this a lot. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. We used to kind of do this when I would have uh, Scott and Marissa. We'd get, get uh, um, Blake would, would uh, prep a, a kind of a rundown of stories that had happened throughout the week. But we didn't really, you know, we talked and talked and talked. And at the end, we would have a, a little question and, and uh, or a little Q&A or a chat session with you guys. But I want to kind of 
do this a little bit differently and chat with you all the way through and break down stuff. But the Switch is still experiencing shortages right now. It's still a very, very difficult console to get. Somebody tweeted, one of my one of the people that I follow uh, tweeted that Amazon got some back in stock yesterday and I tweeted that out. And I, I think a couple people based off of that tweet were able to buy the machine and I got some, some big smiley faces back. But I wanna know, you know, if you're pissed off at Nintendo, if you're pissed that you haven't been able to get this thing, if you've been looking for it, if you don't care, um, but you know, this is an impossible machine to find still. The Nintendo Entertainment System, the Classic Mini, is still super hard to find, and I know that the Switch is as well. So let me know what you uh, have to say. Um, Nintendo is trying to fulfill orders as quickly as possible. Uh, they've stepped up production, but demand is high, and that's exactly where Nintendo wants to be. They're very, very, very smart about how they fill the supply chain uh, with this material. They don't want to have this hardware sitting on shelves. That's the last thing that they want. And they saw that with the Wii U, um, which must have been incredibly hard for a very proud games company. You know, this is a company that's had massive successes. Think about it, man. They had the Wii flying off shelves. Yeah, they did some stuff uh, wrong with that by allowing too much junk to get published on the machine. Uh, but it was a, a extremely successful, clearly extremely successful machine for them. And then they had the Wii U, which never had the liftoff, never had the uh, the uh, real awareness of what it meant, you know, what it really brought to the to the marketplace. And so they they've got to. Uh, uh, you know, work their butts off to kind of win people back, but apparently that's exactly what's happening. Um, I'd like an NES Mini. Yep, a lot of people want that. Uh, Switch needs a Metroid game from NHS ADM. Good point. Absolutely. A 2D one would be great. I've got so much backlog on my One, now my One S, that I'm not even considering another console. I do put the Switch in my future plan, so that's from Paul Adamson. Used to work with Paul way back in the day. How you doing, Paul? Good to see you. Um, uh, Rye Pop, I have seen a couple retro shops get them in over the last couple of weeks, not getting one. The game lineup does not excite me. Is that the, yeah, I guess it's the Switch. A couple of retro shops, huh? Um, want one, probably won't find one till 2018. That's Ryan uh, Govier. Am I saying that right? Uh, the Realist. <laughs> just getting all real on us right here breaking it down for us um the vaporware stories were sad but very interesting and i appreciate it thank you jeremy thank you mike silva i am de uh de debuting to buy a ps4 debating whether to buy a ps4 or a switch um yeah i mean right now you're gonna get i think more bang for the buck with the uh with the playstation 4 there's a lot of games out there for that machine for sure um but you ain't gonna get zelda uh, and that says a lot, man. Those who know, those who played know, Zelda is incredible. Uh, Blair Farrell in Canada, the fact that it's 100 bucks more than a PS4 is crazy. Yes, it is crazy. Um, that's launch price. And, you know, one of the benefits I think that's going to happen with the, the inability to buy the Switch right now is, uh, you know, clearly the price will drop. Let's get it off the, uh, the one, two Switch people. Still haven't really had much impetus to play that game yet mario kart we can keep on uh but uh uh the fact that you, ha you can't pick one of these things up just walk down the street and grab one is actually going to turn out to be pretty good for people that, that come in later because the price will drop and the and the uh the the bundles will come and the software will arrive so it's kind of a win if you've 
built up a level of uh, patience already, uh, and you can wait some more to get into the Switch world. Maybe you didn't buy uh, uh, Zelda on the Wii U. Uh, maybe you don't have a Wii U, but you, you're eyeing it, and you're, you're sort of you know walking around it like a tiger looking at its lunch, going, oh, my God, I can't wait. Uh, it might actually be a, uh, it might be a benefit to wait, and you might not have a choice. So, but uh, 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 you probably uh, are going to be a happier Switch owner um, down the road. Uh, do I think the NES Mini will ever be mass produced again? In all caps from Ty Lord Stevenson. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it will. I think that Nintendo um, is clearly trying to service the Switch market right now, and I would suspect that a SNES Mini is in the works. Um, but, uh, I think it will. And I think it, you know what it is? It's an amazing stocking stuffer, right? It's the perfect Christmas gift for anybody. That's why it went like crazy. Like everybody wanted one of those things. I don't even know how many they sold, but they, they've sold every single thing they put into the channel. So I think 100% they will come back again, but Maybe it's like, let's build up inventory and let's get this everywhere um, for Christmas, which is bad news for people that want it right now. It's, it's awesome. I've, I did a, a whole video on it. I, I love it. I haven't touched it since the, you know, the Switch and everything else has come out, but uh, it's been a crazy, you know, you guys know it's been busy as hell. So many great games out there right now. I haven't gone back to play NES stuff, um, uh, but there was, you know, that two week window pre all of this craziness where I was popping, uh, I, I would actually, I, ha I have it hooked up to my upstairs TV, like the family room TV. It's not in my basement, my gaming cave. And so we play it when, with the family, you know, and when, when uh, guests come over and, and uh, cause it's accessible, even though the games are brutally difficult, it's, uh, it's accessible content. It's, it's just, it's pure art to see 30 year old games on a, on a HD television like that, you know, just gorgeous stuff. So yes, I hope they re uh, remake that. Uh, let's see. We got, uh, let's, let's, let's see if somebody that hasn't said something yet. Tony Baker, Nintendo knew who would be there at the start with the kind of unfinished, uh, with it, with it kind of unfinished and they'll have lots in the fall. Interesting. Okay. So Tony, basically, um, the, uh, the test subjects have all been able to find their switches and they're testing it out and they're getting all kinds of analytics and data. I think we're starting to see that already, right? Like the Joy-Con uh, functionality, the latency has kind of been tamped out. They've figured out how to make that sort of go away. Um, so there's an iteration process already happening on, on uh, new builds of the Switch. And uh, likely we're going to see some kind of resolve with... Uh, uh, people finding any scratches on the dock or anything like that. That will probably all be wor worked out soon. Uh, thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't scratched my screen. I haven't put a screen protector on it. Um, I really hope uh, I don't eat these words, but I've been I've been lucky so far. Um, but I, it sucks for those that have scratched their screen that that you know they got their new machine and they they put a, a scratch in the sucker. So hopefully, Nintendo, it, you know, if they discover that there are enough people com uh, with complaints about that, hopefully they solve that. And the people that get it later will be the benefactors of that. Uh, I will get a switch with uh, with it. Whoa, uh, you, you, Matthew Bray says he will get a switch when a game comes with it, which is solid advice, right? 
let's see what we got here. Um, do Ma Mohammed Barr says, do you think uh, Destiny 2 will come on the Switch? I don't think so. I think uh, if that was going to happen, um, it would have been announced at the uh, Nintendo Switch conference. That would have been a big deal. De Destiny 2 may be ported maybe next year or something, but uh, if I, I think Bungie wants to hit the highest spec that they can with their content, and that's why the PC is included this time. Um, I'll be surprised. I think they're putting money on, uh, you know, leaving money on the table by not going to the Switch. Um, Overwatch, I think, absolutely needs to be on the Switch. Um, but yeah, I don't think every game is going to be ported over there. I don't think we're going to see Red Dead Redemption 2. We may see Grand Theft Auto 5, which would be incredible. It'd be so amazing to, you know, bring... Uh, bring that enormous game everywhere with me. You know what? I have been thinking about the, with the Switch because I'm still in a daze from Zelda and I still jump in occasionally, although I'm trying to wean myself off of that because there are so many other new games out that I need to be playing. Uh, but the game that I've, I've been sort of, you know, glancing at with longing eyes is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, I liked the first game on the Wii, Wii U very much. It was too big of a mouthful. It was just massive. And... Uh, uh, it was kind of overwhelming and imposing, uh, but I I know that that team worked on some of the world building for uh, uh, Breath of the Wild. So now I'm very curious to see how they handle the sequel and how uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 ends up, or Xenoblade Chronicles 2 ends up on the Switch. I think it might be one of those perfect. You, you play it on the uh, television. It's your big, uh, you know, your big hardcover tome. And then you take it with you when you go and it's your paperback edition version of an incredibly massive game. So I'm psyched for that. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, oh yeah. Blig, uh, Blig Blind. I don't know how you say that. B-L-I-G-N, blind. I think it's blind. Uh, think EA Sports Games, Madden NHL will make it to the Switch? Yes, count on that. Um, Brian M. Vic, thoughts on the Mad Cats closing? Yeah, that's that's tragic. That's very sad. This business has too many of those stories, man. And it's uh, it's shocking how many of those things I've seen over the years. I've visited Mad Cats. You know, they've sent us tons of stuff to review. We've, we've made lots of hardware content around Mad Cats stuff over the years. Um it's it's a different business now. It just is a different business now. It's it's uh, the the way that the industry has kind of matured is there's there's kind of a realization on the size of your audience and um, how this stuff is going to come to market. There's just a much. It's not like everybody's figured out the magic and everything is a hit and and the you know the lack of risks has risk taking has suddenly flipped into we know exactly how to chart everything that's going to sell and all that stuff. But there is certainly this, this um, you know, there, we, we're dealing with a lot of people in marketing and sales and, and through, the, through the channels that are, have been in the games industry now for 20, sometimes, some of them 30 years. So there is this awareness of how all of this stuff is going to happen. And um, when Mad Cats was in its peak, and this was true for EP, I think, as well, like in terms of, uh, you know, shooting upwards and, and uh, reaching people. There was just this sense of like, oh, my God, anything can happen. The world is enormous. And they're just starting to understand how great video games are. And these consoles are selling like crazy. And 
they were just tapping into it. You know, there was no iPhone, there was no uh, free to play. Um, you know, Netflix wasn't around. There weren't all of these other choices that were stealing people's time away and really kind of segmenting video games into, uh, you know, a more focused kind of slot. And I think Mad Cats got maybe lost in uh, overspending, uh, thinking that those days would last longer than they did um, and not getting the return. But, you know, they made some great stuff and it was a cool company. And, and I was certainly, uh, uh, you know, taken by the passion of the people that worked there when we visited. And certainly the, a lot of different people have come since then. Um, but it was it was fun, man. And it's just another sad, sad point in uh, in my career to see another one of these studios, another one of these uh, these companies, which are people um, that are now out of work uh, in this industry. Uh, it sucks. I, I hate to see those those stories. You know what what comes out of it, though, is new business and, and new partnerships and new relationships and new innovations and new ideas, you know, and who knows, maybe the Mad Cats uh, engineers and the dreamers that, that work there are going to build you your, you know, uh, Android tablet that connects to your, your Windows uh, Steam accounts uh, and plays games as effectively and easily as your, uh, as your Nintendo Switch does. You know, people were asking about that, you know. Um, sort of the NVIDIA, next generation NVIDIA Shield or something like that. Uh, very, very interesting. Very sad to see those big changes out there. Luis Diaz says hello to everybody. Hello, Luis uh, or Louis. Um, oh, okay. This is. I'm just going to run this on a right from the beginning. We're just going to have this as as B-roll in the background. Start with G, with uh, Joss Whedon. Uh, so that kind of takes us through. The uh, the stories of the week, our, I call it the rundown recap. Um, we talked a lot, got a lot of you guys into the chat, which is awesome. I'm still taking some uh, some comments there, but now I wanted to do something a little bit more fun. Um, not that this hasn't all been fun, uh, but something um, something fun. I want to look at stuff, toys and uh, unboxings and things like that. But uh, um, I, I get loot crates from. Uh, that company, the Loot Crate people, and they send tons of stuff. And I, I didn't want to just like go through each box, but I wanted to collect a few things here that have really caught my eye, which which are really cool. And I have to say thank you to the Loot Crate people for sending these things to me. They sent an exclusive uh, Breath of the Wild t-shirt, which is awesome. Uh, Blake doesn't know this yet unless he's watching, but I'm gonna give this to him. So he's got a rad t-shirt with an awesome link from an incredible game on it right now. Um, you'll see me wearing this on the show. This is uh, the Mr. Robot t-shirt from F Society, which is pretty rad. That's actually one of the things that I like the most about the Loot Crate packages. Uh, there's two things. I don't get uh, physical stuff that much now. The video game industry has gone to here's your code. You know, download this to your device. This is the thing. You know, they they don't send the games like we used to get boxes every day um, from FedEx and different shipping companies that would have cartridges or, or mostly it was uh, CDs by that point or Blu-rays with all of these games and it's just amazing to have that physical sort of christmas type thing every day you open it up it's like oh, we get to review this this is so cool but now it's a code it's still fun to download all that stuff it's still as exciting to play these things but it's a different 
it's a different dynamic, right? So when the Loot Crate boxes arrive, and honestly, I don't love every single thing that they put in there, uh, but it's still really kind of cool and special that you get these physical items, you know? Like this is, uh, oh, this was a cool one. This one I got today, actually. It's uh, the, the Splinter Crest for uh, the T Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is pretty rad. You probably see me wearing this on the, on the, sh on the show, too. Um, you know, they've, they've had some cool designs. I have gotten tons of great socks from Loot Crate. Um, th these are amazing. This is the ship that Kal-El comes uh, flying down in uh, from Krypton, Superman socks. And I got the piranha plant from uh, Mario here. These are great. These are so cool. So I actually wear these crazy socks. My wife doesn't always approve, but I'm a nerd. What can I say? Although we live in a post-nerd society. This was cool. I uh, haven't opened this yet. I will. I'm not going to do that right now. But this is a metal exclusive, which is the other thing that they do, is they have some pretty decent exclusives. I've always wanted one of these metal figures. I've seen these around, they, these sort of big-headed uh, uh, figures. But it's a Logan, and it's from the, uh, from the new movie. His face looks a little beat up. He looks a little angry. His claws are out. And it's a metal figure. He, it looks like he can't really do anything with his arms. Maybe they come out like that. I'm not sure. But that's pretty rad. And they have a whole bunch of other big-headed metal characters that you can get, too. And um, I also got a Q-Fig, which is another uh, super deformed uh, cutesy Doctor Strange, if you can see that. I haven't opened that. Maybe I can open this one. This one looks a little bit easier. All right. Yeah. Cool. This is pretty rad. I love the Doctor Strange flick. I don't know what you guys thought of it, but that looks pretty cool, right? Put that right back here. There he goes. Boom. Doctor Strange. Um, this was also in a Loot Crate box, and this is like right up my alley. This is Figure Fantasy. This is a book uh, of photos from Daniel Picard, who takes photographs of action figures... And let's see if I can find one. Here, here we go. I think you've probably seen maybe some of this stuff on Instagram or something. Oh, there's a little insert in there. But look at that. It's, a, it's an action figure or a 12-inch figure of Batman riding Superman as Clark Kent, spray-painting that on the wall. And there's a Harlequin right beside him. Uh, we've got a <laughs> Darth Vader and a, uh, at a urinal with some stormtroopers. And I guess there's some little descriptions on how the uh, the pictures were taken. This is awesome. You guys know I'm a huge toy nerd, right? So uh, I don't take the time to go out and photograph them or, or put them in any special kind of setting like this. But I sure as hell appreciate people that do. There's tons of uh, animated videos and stuff with figures and things that I love as well. Really cool. Figure fantasy. Uh, so thank you for that um, loot crate. That's really cool. That's a nice thing. So those are some loot crate highlights. Uh, but I also got this uh, sweet amiibo from my, my pals at Nintendo today, which is pretty awesome. This is the one that I've been wanting uh, more than anything, more than even the new Zelda ones or anything like that. It's the Shovel Knight one. And I love that game. Um, I'm going to be playing it on our f many hours of uh, air and train travel that we have when we go to France. Uh, but uh, now I've got the Shovel Knight amiibo, and I'm very happy. Love this character. Uh, but I also wanted to show you guys something super cool. Give me one second here. 
Um, I'm just going to pick up one of the boxes. This is, uh, I don't know if anybody watched our Comic-Con footage from last year. I did a uh, the top 10 toys from Toy Fair. You can still watch it on our channel there. Um, and uh, one of the the collections that I liked the most was the uh, Mezco 112 line. They come in, uh, you know, beautifully elaborate boxes like this. These are expensive figures. Um, I'll show you the back right here. These are expensive figures. They're kind of like mini versions of uh, the Hot Toys figures, which are really expensive figures. Those Hot Toys, I don't know if anybody collects those things. They're into the, you know, $200 to $300 range. Um, these are not that expensive. And actually, uh, I had a comic store in town give me a pretty good deal because I bought a few of them. I hadn't seen them. I hadn't seen them anywhere. I, ke I kept checking in on different stores and stuff out there. But they gave me a, a pretty deep discount because I got a few. Um, and uh, I'm very happy that I did because let me show you what they look like. Super cool. I've opened them up already. I didn't want to uh, spend too much stream time on them. But there's the Daredevil right there. It's super rad. Now, the thing that makes these things special is they have cloth costumes. I, I also unveiled, I have the Captain America. I think you can see it right over there. That's the collector's edition from last year's Comic-Con. Um, and that's all in the same line. So they're one twelfth scale, uh, you know, kind of like traditional six inch action figures out there, but they have cloth costumes, lots of detailing, lots of little accessories and things like that. Tons of ways that you can pose them and stand them. Uh, I got a daredevil. You've been able to see my little tiny flash down here for a sec for for the whole stream. But there's there's the flash. Look at how cool that is. He comes with two different heads, so you can do the the mask without the little uh, white eye slits, which is pretty rad. And you can pose him running like I have right there. And I think some of you might be shocked at the other one that I got, but uh, some of you will understand as well. Um, I did not like Batman versus Superman, but one thing I did say that I liked was Ben Affleck's Batman costume. And this is the only Affleck Batman that I have. He's going to fall off of the stand. Uh, again, cloth costume, different hands. I've got him holding a Batarang right there. And I love... I love the aesthetic. I love the look of this. They've got weathering on the cape. It looks like a big leather cape right there. Uh, it's just badass, you know, just awesome. Uh, and there's tons of them. The thing that's really impressive about the uh, the 112 line, and I said this in my wrap-up, is, is just how many licenses they were able to, to lock down. Toy licenses are so strange, you know, the way they sliver them up and carve them up. Some companies can do six-inch lines, but this, not this, or they, they can have cloth costumes, but these ones can do plastic. I don't always get it, but um, if you're a toy fanatic like I am, you know that we are living in a golden age of, of figures, you know, and I, I, quite frankly, I mean, you can see it when you go into stores like EB Games or GameStop or whatever, is that the, uh, the move to collectibles has become such a big part of this culture because everything else is, is uh, be turning into digital collection. You know, you download your movies and your TV shows and, and your video games and your music and all that stuff. So figures and, and uh, clothing and stuff like that has become a much bigger part of, uh, of this world. And... Uh, you know, as somebody that's been collecting this stuff for as long as I have, I can't believe the quality of the stuff that we get. We never had figures like this when I was a kid. They're incredible. Um, okay, so that is that. Am I hiring yet? Fun with Famicom? No, I'm not hiring right now. Uh, but 
you know, keep keep watching, keep supporting us, and who knows, man, things might be uh, changing around for for that kind of stuff. I want a Hot Toys Iron Man Star Bo- uh, Star Boost armor, David Turner. Yeah, that Hot Toy stuff is amazing. So expensive. I, I uh, I've collected some of them, and I I cannot do any more of that stuff. In the uh, you know, especially these days. Uh, Portal player, I want a full 3D Shovel Knight game. Yes, absolutely. That game is so cool and so important to our industry, huh? Mike Silva, Yoda rocks. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Vic needs to design controllers, accessories for systems with the EPN brand. Mike Silva, thank you. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, environmentally friendly now when you uh, when you download. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely true. Will Street Fighter V come to Switch? I would count on that. Absolutely. They need to make some sales on that game. That was an expensive game. Uh, it didn't hit its marks. We know about the kind of staggered launch of the title. They they rushed it to get the, the thing into eSports, and then the story mode came later. Um, and it's a great game, and it'll run, it'll run very well on the Switch. So yes, 100%, I would count on that. I think that Street Fighter II on the Switch, that the one that they're releasing, is... Um, uh, you know, probably their their sort of test to see how the uh, the pickup is on that. Are you guys planning on getting that Street Fighter Two game when it comes out? Uh, Olaf Christensen saying, uh, "Is is that a, a Frozen character? Olaf Christensen is that is that your real name?" Uh, Ghost in the Shell was another demonstration of how hard it is to make a worthwhile adaptation. Is there any anime video game you'd like to see turned into a live action movie? Um, I still really want to see an Uncharted film. I think uh, um, I, I've tweeted this before. You guys will probably hate me for saying this because I know there's a lot of people that don't like this actor. Uh, but when I saw Dogs of War, or no, War Dogs, um, Miles Teller kind of screamed, especially the costuming that they had with him, which was probably influenced by uh, Nathan Drake. He looked like, there's, there's your guy right there. This guy's got the uh, comedic chops. He's starting to kind of always work out because those are the roles he's getting right now. So he's got the action kind of physicality. Um, I think that they should they should go. If, if I was casting Uncharted, that's the direction I would go. I'd go a little younger with the Miles Teller and let that franchise grow. But I think Uncharted as a film series would be uh, amazing. Um, I think The Last of Us, as the Logan movie just illustrated, uh, has a lot of screen potential. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what was I playing? Oh, I was playing um, Horizon. And in my video game playing career there have been plenty of times where i've played a game and i'm like god this would be a great movie this was the first game that i can recall playing going i don't want them to come anywhere near this to make a movie i don't want this to be a movie at all this is such a cool high fidelity beautiful ambitious out of nowhere surprise achievement that Guerrilla Games has been able to do on the PlayStation 4, leave it the hell alone, Hollywood. Now, that might not be in Sony's best interest or, or Guerrilla Games' best interest, but uh, I think that's a game that just stands on its own, doesn't need any other kind of interpretation. Uh, the Tomb Raider reboot looks pretty cool. I think that Alicia Vikander is a great choice for her, for the uh, Lara Croft character. Um, I can't say that I'm like desperate to see especially after that terrible Assassin's Creed movie. And, you know, the disappointing Hitman and the list is long. Um, I can't say that I'm, like, itching to see an adaptation out there. Uh, Ghost in the Shell wasn't horrible. I think 
when I, I cut that review and when I looked at all that footage again, the footage in the, in the trailers was uh, pretty impressive, you know? I mean, it's, it's certainly, like we brought up in the review, familiar uh, because we've seen those kinds of images in other movies before, but it's, um, it's still impressive. It still looks great, you know? And I think that they did a good job at getting the, the look and feel of the Ghost in the Shell universe. Uh, but yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough to get this right. That's why Joss Whedon, as we started this whole conversation off today, um, seems like a very shrewd and smart and calculated move for Warner Brothers, and let's hope it pays off. Um, I'm going to take one more, two more questions here. Question, how about a Legend of Zelda movie? Common Boy is asking. I think he's saying a Legend of Zelda movie. Um, oh, man, I would hate for them to screw that up at all especially the way I feel right now, especially after Breath of the Wild, especially because it was, it was so much magic, you know? I had an amazing time playing that game. Last year I played and, and uh, all the way through uh, the Twilight Princess with my daughter, I kind of introduced her into the world of The Legend of Zelda and she just loved it and I loved playing that with her. She then joined me for Breath of the Wild and, and uh, she didn't play all of it, but she was there for big chunks of it and I freaking loved that game. I loved the way it made me feel about, about it and about Zelda, but also about video games and the potential and um, the escape. And I would hate to see that get screwed. And I'd be nervous that it would be. But of course, I would be there to see a, a Legend of Zelda movie. Absolutely. Uh, there is the Ready Player One movie coming. Yes, I can't wait to see what that looks like. Uh, okay, let's see here. What do we got here? Uh... Rypop. Uh, Rypop says, I still, I still say for cheap figures that still look good, the good old-fashioned McFarlane line is a great way to go. The sports figures are awesome. Yeah, they're great. I had a bunch of McFarlane stuff. One of my favorite things that they did was the, uh, the Matrix 3 uh, giant machine thing, you know, like the, the walker type thing. Uh, but I had two of them. Uh, one broke, and then McFarlane was kind enough to send me another one, and it broke. And I still remember that. It's like, God, they're such a great collectible, but I have, I have two somewhere in boxes somewhere both broken which sucks they don't stand up anymore uh giant purple pen ever heard of uh Kotobukiya? yes absolutely they do all kinds of cool things like lightsaber chopsticks and stuff and i've got a couple of uh i've got a boba fett from them they're great little statues and things very cool company um yeah, Giant Purple Pen, the EB Games Enrichment Center has the biggest Funko Pop collection in BC. That's an unbelievable story in toys. Holy crap, man. People go crazy at Comic-Con. I don't know if anybody's been to the San Diego Comic-Con, but the Funko Pop booth throughout the whole con has waves of releases of exclusive stuff, and it just has a line that just spirals forever, and people just go nuts for those things. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, it's just not it's not what's what's the word dissipating it's not it's not disappearing it's not calming down like people just love this thing and uh I, yeah i've got a bunch but i feel like okay i get it uh but they're they're huge they must still sell like crazy because you see them at all of the the collectible stores out there okay guys uh we've been talking for a while 
I could definitely keep talking, but uh, I think everybody, including myself, wants to get on with their weekend. Got games to play. I got to pack. I'm traveling tomorrow. Uh, but thank you so much for watching. Thank you uh, for you know following along and, and being a part of the chat live. I love that. It's incredible. Um, and thank you to everybody that watches and comments later on, too. Uh, we missed you in the live chat, but uh, happy that you watched. And uh, we'll be back very soon with a brand new recap. And uh, even though we're traveling, we are still planning to get you guys brand new rundowns every day next week. Uh, but bear with us because we don't know what our Internet situation is going to look like yet. But thanks for watching, everyone. Have yourselves a great weekend, and we'll see you very soon. And now, because it's just me, I will stop the stream.